T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Number one, this is my job. This is what I do. Put bad people away. Uh, I hear people sometimes say that, you know, law enforcement can get, you know, you can't be emotional about it. You can't be emotional about it. Well, I'm not so much with that because it is an emotional job. It does affect you. It's, It's extremely frustrating for me because I feel like, you know, over the years that I know this family. I could deal with it if it was like... She was taken from us from illness. I seen her daughter grow up. Or a car accident, about to be murdered. I can't imagine, it's unimaginable being a parent, not knowing where your daughter is. Took me a long time to say murdered. When we do find human remains out there, before they even have a chance to call me, I'm calling them and saying it's not your daughter because I know that that sets them back weeks and sometimes months. Uh, because of the situation of not not knowing. What does it feel like to not know where she is? Oh, it hurts. Very much. You know, so, yep. From KYW News Radio. In Philadelphia. Philly. Philadelphia. We just, we just like, you know, whatever she be. These are true stories. I have four years left until I retire, and this is, this is a priority for me. About unsolved crimes. I've worked this for 17 years, and my goal is to give this family closure. And closure would be is, is finding her remains and giving this family the proper burial and, and prosecuting the person and the persons that are, are responsible for it. My name is Shara Jones, and I'm Mimi's mother. Sergeant Robert Hempel with the Major Crimes Unit of the Gloucester County Prosecutor's Office. And I'm working on the Tamine Jones missing person uh, case, which is most likely a homicide. I'm Kristen Johansson. I'm Tom Rickard. This is Gone Cold. My uncle was a homicide detective. He had a case um, of a girl who was hit by a bullet while she was sitting in a car, was about to graduate high school, and she was killed immediately. He told the mother, I'm going to find the person who did this. And it took seven years. He just told me about how much that meant to him. So when he was finally able to leave a note at the door of this mother's house to say, call me, it's going to be a good day. That I mean, that was the best day. It was like one of the best days of his life. Cases affect them. They really affect them. I think it's very difficult for me as an investigator to take hope away from people, especially with being a father of two young boys. They see the most horrific parts of humanity every day, all day. We are giving people bad news on a daily basis, and you don't want to take hope away from people, but also we need to be very, very honest with people. So we were very honest with them. People don't believe that that affects them, but it does. There's so much more to this job than just, you know, investigating crime. There's a human aspect to this job. They go home with it at night. I've worked this for 17 years, and I have a bond with this family. They will never be broken. I feel for the family. I want to be able to give them what they need to to get closure. And you believe she is likely deceased? I mean, this isn't a situation where she walked out on her family no. and just... I've went down every avenue you possibly could. They are 
trying to do what they can with what they have, and they don't have a lot. From early on, I believe that she was the victim of foul play, and she was deceased, and it became uh, an investigation of recovering her remains and bringing the person responsible or persons responsible to justice. That would be a win for us to, to be able to bring them closure and find her, her, her remains at this point. I went to the Gloucester County Prosecutor's Office and spoke to Sergeant Robert Hemphill about Tomine Jones. Back in 2002, I was a detective assigned to the Major Crimes Unit of the Prosecutor's Office, and uh, I was assigned a missing person investigation out of Harrison Township with a uh, female, 19-year-old female by the name of Tamine Jones. Everyone called her Mimi. She worked at the post office, the night shift. Each night, she would take her baby daughter, Janiah, to the babysitter and then drive to work. Mimi had done this many times before, and each time, she came back to pick up Janiah after a shift, then they'd go home. Except on April 17th, 2002, Mimi didn't go to work. She didn't pick up Janiah from the babysitter. She didn't come home. Nobody ever saw Mimi Jones again. We got involved in this on Friday, April 19th, and you have to take into account that this most likely happened. She was last seen on uh, April 17th into the early morning hours of April 18th. On that particular Friday, um, that started an investigation that was lengthy. Personally, what does this mean to just you? I mean, just to close it, to finally get some sort of peace with it. We just spoke with them uh, recently, and I said, even if I retire in four years, you still have my number. You're going to be able to call me and say, Bob, this is what we got. And then I'm going to call into the office and I'm going to say, this is where we need to go with it. I'm praying, I'm hoping that we get a lead that's going to point us in the right direction. I think, honestly, it would be very beneficial if I could get, you know, them the closure they need before I retire. See, the problem is I'm going to mess up the, I'm going to mess up age. I don't know if I asked her her age. You never ask a woman her age. She's a young-looking grandmother. Okay. You want to see? That's her graduation picture. Oh, yeah, let's go look at it. And that's her prom picture. This is Mimi. Now I'm going to show you what Janai look like. Oh, my God. They're, are they identical? Yep, just that. It was funny because, so driving there... I mean, I, I was sure I got lost. I was entirely sure I got lost because you are in, you know, farmland, South Jersey. You go on a long road for two and a half miles with just cornfields on either side. <laughs> and where she wants to be, that Marion? Yes. I was like, you don't pick the hardest subject, girl. They have two dogs and like just, you know, fish and um, I think it was a bird too. People under, could be, they'd be telling me, like, did they find your daughter? I said, no. I said, oh, okay, because they haven't heard anything else about it, yeah, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so. Let's just start with the easiest question is, what's your name and how are you related to Mimi? Oh, well, my name is Shara Jones, and I'm Mimi's mother. Okay. Okay. Cheryl is this very, you know, you say grandmother, but she is kind of grandmotherly. But, like, cool grandma. Dark hair. Pretty stylish. You know, with, like, the jewelry she had on and what she was wearing. But really embraced me as soon as I walked in. It's a really warm personality. Just tell me a little bit about your daughter growing up. What kind of person she was. Yeah, so we sat at their kitchen, like, their uh, tall kitchen table. And I just asked her to tell me about Tomeen and who she was as a person, as a kid. Um, you know, she wears all of her emotions on her face. It's still, it's still fresh. It's still fresh. Even though 16 years, it's still fresh, you know. Well, Mimi was a fun person. When she is talking about the good times. Very loving and, f- and fun person. Huge smile on her face. But it will, auto- it will quickly transition into as soon as we talk about Tomeen, there is a sullen expression that immediately pops in on it's like it's just a flash of it you know it's just like it happens that quickly 
she tries to be, she was naive. She thought everybody was good and she tried to help a lot of people. She, she went to school, she went to Westtown High School and um, then she had Janiah and the thing about it, when she was young, she's like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. Now, Janiah didn't know nothing about it. So, Janiah came to me and said, I'm going to be a veterinarian. And I looked like, for real? That's what your mother wanted to do, be a veterinarian too. She loved animals, and she loved, just she just loved life. She got around by 16. She had Janiah at 17. But then I seen a little change in her, you know, and I'd be like, are you okay? And she was like, I'm fine, Mom, fine. Then as the de- uh, time went by, she was like, well, I'm going to get my own apartment because um, I want to bring Janiah up myself. I said, oh, well, that's good, never knowing that she was in danger. She wanted to be on her own. Danger was right around the corner. She would take Janiah everywhere she went. And she always say, my little buddy. You know, she says, this is my little buddy. Janiah was with her always, always with her. Until she was she was here. The last time I seen her, she was, she was home. And she was standing right over there. I'll never forget. She had on and she was standing there. And she looked happy. So she says, can you babysit Janiah? And I told her, I said, I can't babysit Janiah today because I'm tired. Take Janiah to her babysitter because she had a good babysitter. So she says, okay. You know, but if I knew, I, I, I go back and think, if I babysitted Janiah, maybe she would have came back home to get Janiah, you know. She'd be like, Mom, I'm ready to go out. I'm like, okay, you be careful. And I said, she said, I love you, Mom. I said, I love you too. And then, um, how all happened. So you get the phone call from um, the babysitter that mm-hmm. Janiah hasn't been picked up yet. Right. Wednesday evening. She did not go to work that day. April 17th. 2002. She had called out that night. She wanted to do something with her friends. She dropped her daughter off at the babysitter. She just left her over there and gonna go back and get her. And she went to Snixon Street that night. Over in Salem, New Jersey, about a half hour from Mimi's apartment. She was hanging out with some friends. The babysitter had called. She called She called in that morning, I think it was like six or seven, like trying to get a hold of her and couldn't get a hold of her and then reached out to her parents. And said that. She didn't come pick Janiah up. So she thought, hey, you know, maybe she fell asleep. Maybe she went home. You know, she got off. She was tired. And I was like, what do you mean she didn't go pick Janiah up? And said, no. Once she didn't show up after several hours, after 3 a.m., which she would usually pick up, that's when she became concerned about it. The babysitter had a good relationship with Mimi. I haven't heard from her, and I haven't seen her. She knew this was out of character. And that's what started this whole thing with them going and trying to find her. Janiah, um... She was two at the time. Yeah, she was two. I knew something happened to her. This was very uncommon for her. You know, because she wouldn't have left Janiah. She was a loving and caring mother. Me and my husband got in the car and we like that. We seen a cop, and the cop said, "Well, follow me up there." They went to the apartment, and the apartment was open. Malka West Apartments in Harrison Township. It was. It wasn't right for her to. Leave the door open at a car sitting in the parking lot. Her vehicle was at home, a Ford Focus, I believe, a blue Ford Focus, and her uh, pocketbook. But down on the side. Locked inside of the vehicle. In her car. Which was another telltale sign that there's something not right. If she drove that car, she would took that pocketbook and buy it there because she liked that pocketbook. It was a coach bag. And I still have it. Her mom had bought it for her. I still have that pocketbook with all her stuff in it. Yeah. These were all factors leading us to believe that there was more to this case. The family got out of the car, and they went into Mimi's apartment. When you went inside the apartment, tell me what it looked like. 
when we went inside, the baby bag was sitting in the floor. I guess she was going to go in there and pack the baby bag and take it back to the sitter. So the bag was sitting in the floor. Her lights were on, and her telephone looked like it was. Somebody pulled it out the wall, and, and it was all uh, uh, messed up. You know, like somebody was hitting it and stuff like that. We was like, what, what, what happened to the telephone? I don't know what happened. We were just like trying to figure out what, what happened to her. Yeah, they go in and they search for her, and they want to, you know what I mean? And they saw a lot. Yeah, yeah. Talk. Yeah, and, and they didn't. They're not gonna. They're not trained to see. Obviously, what we see. We just couldn't. Just couldn't put a finger on. But what, did any anything went down in here or what? For them, she's just not there. We were just like looking around, and my brother and them were looking around. And when we go in and we start looking around for things, you know, they may not have saw the things that we saw when we went in there. Crime scene went in. Absolutely, we went in. Absolutely, went in. yes. That's everything. Yeah. Yep, Swabs, we. Th- that's absolutely. Her car was totally processed. The interior of her apartment. We did other search warrants in Salem City that were tied to this case. There was two residents and another car that were uh, that were seized, and search warrants were approved by a superior court judge. And so, what can you tell me about? Was there a lot of, a lot of evidence that was gained from? the entrance of the, the car and the apartment? Yeah, we, we recovered a lot of evidence. After we had got involved in the investigation, we wrote search warrants, obviously, to go in. And during our assessment of the inside of the apartment, there were signs of a struggle in there. They told me that they had took a piece out of the bathroom door because there was a footprint on that door. And they don't know if she was inside that door, inside the bathroom, or what. You know, I never, you know. It looked like, um, you know, that, that Tamine was attacked at some point. Yeah, they had the dogs and everything. And it was like the cadaver dog just went to the edge and sat there. Led us to believe that she was the victim of a homicide. Gone Cold. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Gone Cold. She was with some friends in Salem City on a street called Sinixon Street. Tell me a little bit about that street. This is a scene where um, individuals would hang out. It was a nice night. They would hang out. They would talk. Yeah, she was out there with friends and doing what 19-year-olds do, hanging out, talking to people from like 8 eight at night until almost midnight when she dropped her one friend off in Salem and then another friend was dropped off in Pensgrove. She arrived home about 12, 1 a.m. in the morning in the early morning hours of April 18th. We believe she was home through landline records because she received a call from her friend. Hey, listen, are you home? Okay. Brief conversation. Brief conversation. Are you okay? Okay, I'm okay. I'm going to go to bed. I'm tired. That is the last communication that she had with anybody. First six hours, we go down there and we start and we start interviewing everybody that knows anything with the parents, the babysitter, the friends that she was with that night, all hands were on deck. It was a full court press of trying to get as much information as we possibly could. The assistance of the New Jersey State Police, Woodstown Barrage State Police, Major Crimes Unit, Salem County Prosecutors, Foster uh, County Prosecutors, the Harrison Township Police Department. We also sent evidence to the FBI Academy, Bodie Private Laboratories, New Jersey State Police Forensic Lab. So that's cool. at least a half a dozen, right? Yes. We knew that there was something that was wrong. We knew that foul play was was most likely. Uh, she was the victim of a homicide. Our goal was to find her remains uh, right away, which would enhance our ability to obviously prosecute the case. He went looking in a boat. We did boat searches, dive team searches. There was a lot of creeks and a little, little back uh, waterways where it would be easy to dispose of a body if you were driving down an area. He was in a boat with the... With the uh 
other detectives and the cops, and he 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 tried. I went up in a helicopter on three or four different occasions and searched wooded areas. We also did canine cadaver searches. We had dozens of canine officers that came in on their own time. As far as the search efforts for on the family side, and obviously police did a lot, but. Was there Absolutely. There was an outpouring of, of, of people that came forward. And what I can tell you is the family was very dedicated. They did their own searches. They did their own flyers. You know, and I got my mother and father still alive. They're in their 80s now. And, you know, they, my father, he's like. I would get calls from the family like, Bob, we're out. We're out on Route 77. There's, there's an area out here. Did you search this area? You know, he'd just be like, did you talk to the detective? And we would go search it. On a daily basis, we'd have 20 to 30 guys out searching. They were very active with the investigation. Her friends were very uh, active and, and wanted and wanted answers and closure, and to this day, they're still active with it. I really didn't grieve for her right now. You know, I might shed tears, you know, stuff, but to really cry, cry, I haven't done that yet. Over the years, we haven't got a lot of, um, what I would say, credible leads, and it's been very difficult. It's very frustrating uh, for me and all the detectives that have worked on this. I just, you know, where she at? I hope she's not cold. You know, I hope she's not cold. You know, if she's not there, I hope she's warm, you know. We, we kept her face and we're, we're continuing. I think the most important thing is to keep her memory alive and her face in the media because obviously in hunting season, you have a lot of, you have a lot of people that are found. So we were very proactive with putting flyers out in the hunting areas. But in my heart, I knew, I knew she was, you know, something happened to her bad, you know, but I didn't want to say it. You know, I just, I just blocked it out and just hoped for the best, you know, that she would return back home. We've got calls with animal bones where I've been out there at 11 o'clock at night thinking that we have something in an area that would be viable and um, it'd be, you know, a cow bone or something like that. When we do find human remains out there, before they even have a chance to call me, I'm calling them and saying it's not your daughter because I know that that sets them back weeks and sometimes months. And I just wait and wait and still waiting, you know? And and I get frustrated and I get angry. And I don't want to see, let Janai see it because, you know, I, because it hurts her. She's like, oh, are you okay? You know, and I'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm a little tired today. It just, it just hurts. Did neighbors there say that they heard anything? Oh, yeah, I would rather not talk about that right now. Okay. As far as, and this is the, you know, you can not answer, answer, but surveillance video, did you see her on any surveillance video? I can't answer that. Yeah, that's something I can't answer at this DNA. point. I can't answer that at this point. The boat searches, I know why, yeah. and the helicopter, but why necessarily like the foot searches? Was there something about? Well, this is right. This is right near her apartment. Okay. So, so but we want. Like along here, here. These are avenues into Salem City. These are all. These are all avenues into Salem City. So, if you didn't want to go down a major corridor going into Salem City, if you were familiar with the area, you would go off this area because in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning, you may not see anybody out there for for hours. We had an idea that. We, we suspect that the in, that individual that was involved in this was from the Salem City area, and there was a direct route of travel from Malka West Apartments back into Salem City. Can you just tell me a little bit about, I mean, that part of the investigation, the, you know, person, persons of interest, kind of how you got there? It, we're, in a, we're in a tough situation. I know we're on the record, but we're in a tough situation because no one's been charged with it. And you don't ever want to put yourself in, in a situation like that. The integrity of this investigation and the family is the most important thing. And I know you want to do the same thing as what we want to do. What I would ask you to do is, is, is go back, and, and I know that you have some of those resources, and research that. 
I think that most people and you doing crime understand that obviously when police officers have these types of situations, what do we do? We look at relationships, we look at within, um, you know, we look at people that are closest with the individual and people that would have a motive uh, to commit a crime. So, uh, you know, I, hopefully that can help you a little bit without saying too much. So the motive here could have been, could have been just wanting to solve a problem? I mean, I think we're all in agreement that, that you know, statistics will show you that, that a lot of homicides are domestic-related. Um, uh, do I believe that Tamine knew her, her attacker and, her, and the person who committed this? She absolutely knew that person. Um, because I don't believe that she would let anybody into our apartment in, in the early morning hours uh, without knowing them. Um, so we believe that she knew her attacker. There's no doubt in our mind. You know, you're going to be able to research um, the family. The, the family's the family's probably going to tell you what way they're going with it. So she was that night from what the friends or the cut like from what was kind of known she was hanging out in Salem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so tell me like why like who'd she hang out with down there? Why would she hang out with them? Well, her cousin she used to hang with, and then she would go and um, hang with him. I always tell her, girl, don't go be going down Salem, girl. You know, just keep your behind up this end, you know. And then as she got involved with him, uh, things just went uh, whack. She didn't say nothing. She just got that smile on her face. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then at the end, she she came like, I don't want him. You know, she had Janiah, and she's like, I don't want him. You know, I don't want to deal with him. But, you know, when when a person starts abusing men or women, when they start abusing that person, they don't want to let that person go because they're trying to uh, uh, dominate them and everything, and that's what he did. And at the end, she was scared. I think she was a little scared. To make it so bad as a lot of people that she hung around knew all this stuff. Mimi was uh, being abused, but she never said anything. You know, she always had a smile on her face. She never said anything because I always asked her, and she was like, I'm okay, I'm fine. I don't know if she was scared or she was just embarrassed, you know, because she has a big family, and she could have turned to her family and, and you know, said what was going on, but I think she was a little embarrassed about well, a lot of women don't. Yeah. So what, when you say abuse, her friends told you this? Not, not, a, not at first. We went everywhere. We asked everybody and nobody. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. My oldest brother, he was asking these people all the questions and everything. So a couple of them came up and said, well, yeah, we knew he was hitting her. My brother says, well, why didn't you reach out? Oh, we don't get involved in stuff like that. It just was like, okay, nobody knew nothing, and they don't get involved in it. She met the wrong person that didn't want to do her no good. I would tell her, you know, he's not a good person, because I told him that myself, he's not a good person. And she's like, well, you know, people need um, second chances, you know, and maybe he'll change. And, you know, she always was like, just, just look, trying to find good in people. And that's good. But when you got a person like that, you can't find good in them. You know, there wasn't no good in him. I told him, I said, you know what? You know where your home going to be. And I hope you remember. When I told him, you know where your home going to be, your home going to be the jail and prison. That's going to be your home. But I never knew he would kill my daughter to get there. You know, he, well, he could get there for any little, little minor things. But I never knew he would get there for killing my daughter, you know. But I told him that's where your home going to be, the, uh, the jail. And I hope he remembered what I said.
Gone Cold. We'll be right back. This is the only thing. He makes fun of me because he's like, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, I do know what I'm doing. Tom? Hello. Hi, we're back. Okay. Cool. Um, One second. Let me just start the recording. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. Okay. Mimi had a guy in her life. His first name is Mark. Or at least that's the name he went by back then. Should I put off on your mic and then you can still hear or no? No, I'm going to mute, mute my microphone. You're going to mute us. Okay, great. Mark has not been charged with any crime related to this story or the disappearance of Mimi Jones. He's in prison right now, and he was serving time back in 2003 when he gave an interview to an investigative reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. So... We asked her to come into the studio and talk about it. I dig around in anything from environmental issues to police corruption to housing issues, pretty much anything and everything. Um, I make a lot of enemies. (laughs) My name is Wendy Ruderman, R-U-D-E-R-M-A-N. I'm an investigative reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News. Do you remember when you wrote this article and, like, how soon after um, everything happened with Tomeen? I was covering Gloucester County, and it had to be around 2003. I remember it was really cold out, so it must have been the end of winter, early spring. I think that is when they—I think they found um, his other girlfriend's body in— a frozen river somewhere in Gloucester County or Salem County. And the only connection that she had, this woman who they found, her body, she was bound. It was undetermined how she died, but she was pregnant at the time and the baby was taken out of her. And it was really horrific. And her only connection to Mimi was that they had the same boyfriend in common. It was Mark. And that's why Wendy started digging into Mimi's case. The death of his other girlfriend is still unsolved. We reached out to the investigators on our case, and they say Mark is not a suspect. I remember Mimi's family very vividly, Mimi's dad and her mom and how distraught they were. They were just so beside themselves, and they were so, so, so convinced that Mark had done it. One of the reasons why they thought that was because he and Mimi had a very volatile relationship. I also interviewed Mark's mother, who said that, yeah, his downside is he can be violent with women when they're violent with him. She was sort of making excuses for him, saying, like, sometimes women will slap him and he'll hit them back, but that doesn't make him a murderer. Why do you think he talked to you? That is a really good question. I think that um, some, a lot of it was bravado and confidence. Obviously, if the police had something concrete, some DNA to tie him to the crimes, they would have charged him with the crimes. And so the fact of the matter was he was in prison on something entirely different and he felt he was untouchable. And obviously, since he hasn't been charged, you know, I mean, what does that say? talked a lot about how he felt about Mimi, how she was like somehow different than the other women that he had dated and had children with, which was interesting. He had like five children with four different women or maybe maybe it was like six children with five different women. I think he wanted to talk to her family through me and I think he could somehow through me convince them that he didn't kill their daughter. We tried to interview him as well, and we were shut down, essentially. How did this interview come about? I'm not sure how the process went exactly. I knew I had to write a letter, and then it would go to him, and he had say over whether he would be interviewed or not. He did grant me the interview, and I and I went to see him, and they brought him 
Um, and he's wearing his prison-issued clothing. Um, not sure if it was like an orange or blue jumpsuit. But I remember that he was extremely handsome. Uh, his eyes had sort of a light to them. And he was very animated. But I could see where a young woman would be attracted to his energy and his his confidence, his swagger, and his, I don't know, ability to think that he can talk his way into or out of anything. Do you remember what you asked Mark? I asked him straight out, did he kill these two women? Did he kill them? And he's... He said no. He said he kept saying, "I will not cop to that. I would I would never cop to that. They're never going to get me to cop to that." He was saying I would cop to many other things like X, Y, and Z, and he would go over like the types of crimes that he did commit. You know, he improperly had sex with a minor, and that's why he was in jail, that he'd been caught drug dealing, and he'd been in jail for that. You know, he kind of went through a litany of crimes that he had been involved in and was very open about it, but he just he just kept saying that he, that he loved Mimi. He would never, ever kill Mimi because he loved her to death. He kept saying, I loved her to death. I loved her to death. I would never kill her. And when he kept saying that he loved Mimi to death, it just was... It was really chilling. It was really chilling. So then after the story ran, you know, I had him present his side. After it ran, Mark wrote me a letter. I don't really remember the gist of it entirely, but I know it was a threatening tone. He basically said that I made him look guilty and that he felt that the article was too one-sided. And that when he got out of jail, he would, like, quote-unquote, look me up. Something like that. I threw the letter out. And maybe years later, I talked to someone in the prosecutor's office about it when we were talking about the case and just mentioning offhandedly that I had gotten this letter. I think part of my thing was I, I really didn't want to become part of a story. And I tend to be in a job where I do get threats. People do threaten me either by mail or on my phone or in person sometimes. So I dismissed it. I sort of dismissed it. And um, it wasn't until you had called me to talk about the case that I actually thought, wow, like, I wonder... Like, he said he was going to get out of prison and quote-unquote come see me. And so, you know, I wonder, you know, I wonder. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not particularly worried. I just, I just want these families to have some justice. I think the, the the police would like the same. And it's just, just, it's been so many years. Did you know much about Tamim before you went to go interview the Jones or Mark? I honestly didn't. I th- everything I learned about her, I learned through her parents. And of course, they're, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere in their house without pictures of her, pictures of her and her baby. And I remember, I think they had pets. Um, they were. I remember b- being greeted by dogs when I walked up to the house. It's funny you say the dog. So she's actually trying to become a veterinarian. Wow, that's okay. what she wants to become. The daughter, yeah. That see, Janaya. that doesn't surprise me. It's like the one, you know. She's she looks just like Tomine too. I mean, you look at the pictures, and she looks just like Tomine. And Tomine, mm-hmm. Cheryl told me that Tomine also wanted to be a veterinarian, mm-hmm. but. Janaya never knew that. That wasn't something they talked about that to Janaya. Wow. That's so. really, it's nice to hear, though. It's nice to hear that she's thriving and moving forward with her life. And, you know, that you can come back from something like that even without an answer. You know, you have a hole that you just have a hole in yourself. You can't never have that. That hole is always going to be there. But the fact that you can move around in this world with that big giant hole is kind of amazing. Really, like I'm not sure how people do it. So not only are you a mother who lost her daughter, mm-hmm. but you're raising your daughter's daughter, mm-hmm. having to tell her where her mother is. Right. And you have to answer to your own parents right. about where their grandchild is. Right. 
and you're the one that probably suffers the most because it's your child. child. Yeah. You know, and and just a heart, just heartbreaking to know that you had a child, and that child's gone. You know, it took me eight years to have that little girl. You know, and then one one night, and she gone. Eight years, because I I was like, I don't probably can't have no more kids. You know, I got my son. You know, my son's like older, and and um, then I had her, and I was so happy. You know, it took eight years and one year and one night for her to go, be taken away from us. Yep. I have a habit. I stopped for a while. I have a habit looking at that window because she she would come up and park and we used to have a tree there and she would come and park underneath the tree you know and I'd be looking at and you know certain times she'll come like on a Sunday you know and I'd stand and i look and I'm like oh here she come and I got a habit of getting up in the mornings and looking at that window thinking that maybe you know she'll come and, I, and then I had stopped for a while and then somehow been, been about a couple months going by and I now I find myself going to that window Again, looking at the window in the morning, like, oh, okay. But it, it, it hurts, you know, it hurts. But one good thing came out of it, Janaya. Janaya keeps me going. Because if it weren't for Janaya, I don't know. I don't know. the family they're very passionate obviously they're to this day still hurting um, it's a struggle every day with for this family and, and for her daughter who's now a senior at, um, at Woodstown High School it's been it's been difficult on her but um, one thing that I can tell you is that she has done extremely well um, Janai has done extremely well she's going to college she wants to be a veterinarian and work with animals um, she's uh, received a couple of civic awards for uh, doing the right thing in our communities. We're very proud of her, and I'm proud of her because I've seen her basically go from a, a one-and-a-half-year-old, almost two-year-old child that lost her mother to a young adult now that's doing, doing well. And you seen her grow up. I did. Does she know why I'm here, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you tell Janaya now? I always tell her, I said, oh, your mom would be so proud of you. Because Janaya came a long ways. Janaya would cry and cry and cry. And I'd be like, okay, okay. You know, you're okay. It's okay. It's okay. And as she got older, you know, and she would get on the honor roll. She'd been on the honor roll. She'd been on the principal list. She got an award. She got a bunch of medals for track. And, and I said, oh, your mother would be so proud of you. Oh, she would be so proud of you. She wouldn't even know what to do. <laughs> you know? And she said, like, she thinks so. I said, yeah. She just, she's just an awesome little girl, you know. Oh, you nice Yeah, come on in. Hi, I'm Kristen. Hello. How are you? It's nice Hi. to meet you, Janaya. You were at church, I understand? Yeah. Yeah? How was I love your prom dress. Oh, thank you. That's literally still hanging up. <laughs> okay, my name is Janaya Jones. I'm the daughter, biological daughter of Tamin. Mimi Jones and the granddaughter of Cheryl Jones and the granddaughter of Thomas Jones. So she had to give a speech. Oh, so she didn't know what to say. So she was out there and she written this speech. Everybody stood up and hot. I said, but well, she was only out there for five minutes. What do you got long? Like have it written. I have it. You have to read it. Can you come closer? Read oh it. boy. And everybody was like, oh my god. And they was yeah. clapping their hands, standing up. Like that. Yep. 
Okay, so my speech was, good afternoon, church. My name is Janaya Jones. I'm not big on talking in front of people, but I'm going to do my best, not to mention half of you are family. Literally, the whole church is my family. (laughs) And um, I said I've faced many trials, and I'm aware that I'm not the only one who has experienced the loss of their mother. I lost mine at the young age of two, unable to remember much of her. I'm being raised by my grandparents, who I'm truly thankful for every day. I said I'm a rising senior in Woodstown High School. My goal is to pursue the dream my mother and I share, which was to become a veterinarian. I said, as of right now, this college process is giving me and my family a run for our, for our money, literally. But I know that it's all possible through the power of God, and I myself will continue to stand tall and push through whatever obstacles come my way. With a strong will and heart, my eyes are set on a bright future, and, I, and I've seen how this world can seem unfair or not be in your favor, but trust me, I've been there. I have pulled out such immense strength this year that I am positive I am absolutely sure that through God I can do whatever my heart desires. And I know that for a fact he would not put us through something if he knew that we could not handle it and come out all right. I know that God has a plan for me and I trust in him. So if you need a shoulder to lean on, if you need someone to talk to or just someone to listen to your story or your current situation, Jesus will always be there no matter the odds. That much will never change. Thank you. And they was like, oh, oh. And I was like, such a mess. And then she seen them, they like, oh my God, oh this, my God. this was so nice. And then they all want a copy of it. I said, now, so well, she was only out there a few minutes. And she right. <laughs> that I did, Sunday was. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you, I just wanted to ask you if you wanted to make a final, like, kind of plea to the public. Uh, yes. Um, you know, I just want everybody to know that to me, known as Mimi, has been missing for 16 years. She has not been found yet. And I just hope and pray that somebody out there knows what happened to Mimi. You were with Mimi that night, and as you grow, you have kids of your own. And look at your child. And if that child went missing, how would you feel? How would you feel? You would want someone to help you no matter what to find your child and this is what I'm asking for somebody to come forward take the hurt and pain out of our hearts we will know that we found her so I thank you thank you you want to say something? yeah you want to say something? Just to add on to what my mom just said, when it comes down to it, like, it may be a scary process, there may be guilt, and you may be held back by these, just these strong ties of guilt and this feeling that if you do come out that the consequences will be thrown onto you. But despite all that, I think whether you are guilty, whether you know something, I just think you should truly just come out. And when it comes down to it, it's not going to hurt you. If anything, it will give you clarity of mind and it will help you. And it will ease your conscience truly. And for us and for my family, it will be the greatest gift that you can give to us truly. I'm hoping one day that someone will come out and tell, just tell the truth on what happened with my mother and help us get to the conclusion. And truly, like if you were involved with it, I've learned that rather than hating one another, that we should learn to forgive. It will take a long process, but even if you are responsible or you know or if you took part in it, I'm just going to say completely that I will forgive you, but I'm just truly asking for you to come out and to help my family. Said better myself, girl. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are so proud of her. Yes, I see you have, <laughs> she, her, she, her, she, her, she, her eyes just like sparkled. Yeah, she a mess. I try. <laughs> this is Kristen. Tom, you're right there. I'm right here. So there is a reward through the Gloucester County Prosecutor's Office, and you can actually give Sergeant Hemphill a call yourself. It's at 
800-242-5500. And you can go online and give a tip through their website too. Just Google Gloucester County Prosecutor's Office. You know, people ask us sometimes, what are the cops looking for? What, what is Hemphill uh, looking for here? Kristen, you, you sat down with uh, the prosecutor. Charles Fiore. He kind of gave us an idea of the things that could help them out in trying to solve this case. Memories, because, you know, if you look at something a lot of times, and we personally go through this, where, you know, you're driving along and, uh, you know, you don't think that you saw something, but then you hear a news report about it, or somebody mentioned something, you hear it on a a podcast, that, hey, I was there that day, and I did see this person in the red shirt, or I did see this person in the blue shirt. Time is not on our side, obviously. But uh, still, cases have been solved many, many years later, longer than this. After the 17 years, uh, Sergeant Hempel's going to be around for a while. Hopefully, I'm going to be around for a while, and this is going to be an active cold case. Because these people, you have to understand, these people have families connected to these files. We can look at a file, you know, put the file away, but then when you meet the family, you're then engaged forever. I'm engaged forever to this file. You know, just, they're just wonderful, wonderful, regular, normal people. They truly, truly are. Gone Cold is hosted and produced by me and Kristen in the KYW News Radio studios in Philadelphia. Thanks to Charlotte Reese for making the awesome promos for this episode. You can check them out on Twitter and follow us while you're at it. We're at Gone Cold Philly. Our theme music is by Obi Daz. You can follow Kristen on Twitter at Kristen Johansson. And I'm at T-Rick, T-E-E-R-I-C-K. You can join our Facebook group to talk about the cases with us. It's called Gone Cold a cold case podcast from KOW News Radio. Last, but most important, the best thing you can do to help us keep making this podcast is to rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. There are algorithms and stuff involved that basically mean your rating makes it more likely that new people will find the show. Thank you. We, we really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to KOW News Radio's original podcast, Gone Cold. I'm Tom Rickert. I'm Kristen Johansson. We'll talk to you next time. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.